the one I listened to last that you did was the one you were like interviewing um, somebody who worked in the industry about like how it was like someone who tests games, I think, for mm-hmm. a living. Yeah. Yeah. that And that one I did made it unique because, you know. Um, and you like changed the voice. And, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. they're like NDAs and stuff. So it's like, I don't want to get that person in no, trouble. No, I got it. You know, things like that. So it's like, how can I make this interview engaging and interesting without like compromising you know right right, right. This person yeah because it was definitely like whatsoever. you know i i cannot i mean i listened to a fair, my fair share of podcasts and i've never heard anyone do anything like that so i thought that was kind of cool because it definitely was cool to get that insider but at the same time protecting their anonymity you know at the yeah. same time yeah so. and i actually got that uh the idea of that from um a podcast on title okay and it was called trapping anonymous so essentially what it is, is he interviews people in different industries, but he, uh, what's the word called? Uh, a, a, a ton, anonymous. He, he makes it a, them anonymous. Essentially. Okay, okay. So like you can't, he know, puts the, the effect on the voice. Yeah. That, yeah. And then he'll just ask them like the most in-depth questions. And it's like, wow, this is crazy. So like, I, I definitely recommend that as a listen and it's, it's pretty out there. So. Okay. 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 Um, so, guys, this is Till Good Game Do Us Part Podcast. I'm your host, Troy. And today I am here with Kyle Murdoch, a.k.a. K or K Murdoch. Yeah. Wh- which one do you actually prefer to go by? Either All three uh, will suffice and work. I mean, uh, that's the thing when you, I was telling someone, it's like when your artist name is not too far from your government, it kind of works. <laughs> so, um, K, friends, a lot of friends, I think even in my like social media profile, I, my bio, I put my, my friends call me K. So, K. K. Murdoch, Kyle, uh, you know, it's, it's all good, man. Okay. So, so Professor Murdoch, that's what the, the students say. Professor Murdoch. Yeah, that's or actually Prof. Really Murdoch. Sick. Yeah, yeah. Which is funny. So. I like that. You should, like, make that your DJ name. Yeah. Prof. Murdoch. I don't know, man. <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll see. So today we're just going to talk about video games, okay. um, music, audio, just yes. all those type of things that things you seem I'm to love. Yeah. Yes. So I'm going to look. I'm gonna glance at my notes really quick. No, no, for sure, man. Because I, I know there's a lot of stuff. So how would you define what you do? Like on your website and like when people, you know, search for you, you kind of describe yourself as an audio creative. Mm-hmm. But like what does that mean to you and like what does that look like? That's a, that's a good question. Well, it was just a way, well, one, to, to I'm, I'm in this, uh, this, this phase of my life now where I'm trying to almost rebranding myself because for a long time people might have known me as, K Murdoch or Kyle Murdoch, the guy who produces music. But my background, like my day jobs were always in radio or something working in the audio field. Um, so now I'm doing more teaching and I'm getting my master's in audio technology and all this stuff. So I was like, wow, I, I do, I wear a lot of different hats. I'm a music producer, I'm an audio engineer, sound designer. Um, you know, so I was like, what kind of is something I can just say one word I can put on like, uh, a card I can hand out or put when I social media or whatever. So I was an audio creative, you know? Um, so, and I've always been into this thing, like my company, my LLC is Neo Sonic Productions, New Sound. I've always been into like taking the hip hop kind of uh, approach where sampling stuff and taking older stuff and recreating and making something new out of it. Um, so that was really it. Like audio creative was just like the cooler way as opposed to saying, hi, my name is Kyle Murdoch. I'm a music producer, audio engineer, sound designer. I was like audio creative. It just kind of 
to me encapsulates all that stuff. So, okay, so you it. essentially found us, you simplified the mini hats that you wear. I tried to, but it one. definitely is it's cool because just like you asked me, mm -hmm. it's like hitting something in a drop down menu. Like, what is that? What does audio creative mean? So you clicked on it, and now all the other things I can talk about. Gotcha. And and I love them all pretty much equally. But I, I you know. In 2020, I'm trying to get back to what most people know me for, mm -hmm. which is probably music production, because at the heart of it, that's kind of like where it all started for me. Like, I've just been a fan of music, and when I got into and learned how to quasi-successfully produce music, that's kind of like where the lane I found myself into. Engineering and all the other stuff came from having to know how to do that because I didn't have access to send my music to get it mixed or mastered for anyone, so I learned from people I happen to be working with in my day job, which was as a, um, I worked for XM Sat, or Sirius XM Radio for nine years almost, uh, producing content for their hip hop and jazz channels. Like, and by content, I mean basically when you weren't listening to the music, like the drops, the promos, the uh, intros to the different shows, um, they call it imaging. That's kind of what I do, or sound design. So, um, and, and essentially doing more long form creative, Audio, which is now podcasting. Podcast, so yeah. I was doing it back before it was like the wave because yeah, everybody <laughs> has a podcast. So let's go back even further than that before yes, we started yes, working yes. at XM. Hip hop. Yes. Were you, how, how would you describe, were, were you there like during the golden age of hip hop or like kind of the wilting years of it? How would you describe like the wilting years? Um, well, what do you define as the golden era? What, what? I would say like. Yeah, what, what year or what years? constitute the golden era for you i don't know i wouldn't i wouldn't say like i know the years per se like i'm starting to dig into hip-hop more i've been listening to like joe budden podcast and that's made me oh, like, okay gotcha. dig in more into hip-hop okay. so i don't oh, know so like, you weren't years. really you're not a real bit i mean you are but I, not. I'm, I'm in it but i'm not like i wouldn't say i'm a hip-hop head okay but I'm, okay i'm definitely that's a good like, way of saying it okay but i'm definitely like okay i want to know more about hip-hop if there's something for me to learn about hip-hop i'm okay. open to learn it but I don't know it just like, I can't tell you, you know, this rapper spit this bar in this year. Okay, and this. Okay, okay. So like, I guess the best way to put it, like, were you, were you there when you, I guess people would say like, it was peak and it was like, this is hip hop or is it kind of like, all right, at its plateau where it's like, we know this is hip hop, but you know. Well, I said, I'm 40 years old. So I was born in 79. And um, I, for me, the golden era hip hop that I really listened to was anything anywhere between the stuff that came out in 88 to like i would say 97. Mm. uh so you talking about like biggie nas tupac tribe called quest is like my favorite group which is why i have a tribe tattoo and de la soul still today my probably my favorite group and it's awesome that they're still like around after 30 30 plus years you know what i mean so um I was there. I was in it. I mean, I started listening. Like a lot of people, I find out who get into hip-hop, who have older cousins who are into it, who they're really into and trying to emulate. And they're like, oh, my older cousin listens to this. So whatever he kind of like passes down or they're checking, I'm going to be cool like them and try to get it too. So luckily, my older cousins were listening to everything from Brand Newbie to Tribe Called Quest to um, uh, Ice Cube and all that stuff. So whatever, I w when I would go over their houses... I would sneak upstairs into their rooms <laughs> and basically scavenge uh, through their tapes, their cassette tapes. And whatever they have, I would either take the tape, make a dub if I was there, or when my mom would take me to the uh, store, like Sam Goody's or Waxy Maxi's, which were the places I used to consume music or buy it. Um, I used to, if, if it didn't have a parental advisory sticker on it, my mom was pretty lenient. She knew I was a good kid. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> she would let me get a tape um, and I would get those, those artists. 
and I really got into Tribe Called Quest. And um, the more I got into Tribe Called Quest, Gangstar, P, P Rock and CL Smooth, it was like a rabbit hole. I just wanted to dig deeper. So it's like anytime certain people that I like would pop up on other artists' albums, I would, it's not like the internet where I could go on and pull up Search a website them, yeah. and screen it. I would just buy it be off the name. And that's how, so certain producers, so it, it kind of went from artists to certain producers that I would see producing on certain records. And if I saw like DJ Premier's name or Pete Rock or whatever, or Q-Tip, I would just buy it. Mm -hmm. Because I like, oh, I like what they do in their core stuff. So the kind of ancillary side stuff, peripheral stuff or whatever, I'll, I'm into as well. Well, I think I'll be into, so I'll copy it. Gotcha. And I would do it. And nine times out of 10, it was good stuff. Um, and I became, within my crew of friends, the guy who was like, had his hand, his finger on the pulse, like a tastemaker. So my friends, whenever we would go hang out on the weekends, would be like, yo, Kyle, can you make a tape of like all the cool stuff? Cause that's basically all my free money went into buying like singles and, and like uh, scavenging for good music. Or sometimes I would record stuff for Rap, Rap City and put it on a mixtape. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's just funny how technology has grown and allowed us to like get music more easier. I kind of miss those days, but I don't miss them, you know? So, <laughs> so you you would say like you were an originator of like the playlist essentially, like? Well, I mean, yeah, we're not, definitely not originator, <laughs> but like I was into that, like playlisting, I guess before it was a Spotify algorithm, you know what yeah. I mean? Like my friends would turn to me, and so as opposed to rap, ca I was the rap caviar, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like for my friends. Um, and I took my time, I really was really into that. Like if I knew we were going out hanging out, I wouldn't care what I was necessarily wearing or whatever. I would be like, yo, I, what can I hit these dudes with in the car to be like, yo. So <laughs> you were the friend that they would pass the ox was to, all, essentially. Yes. <laughs> I was all, and I was like, I kind of became like the hip hop snob because I was so in like, yo, pure hip hop, real hip hop. So like when a lot of like the more commercialized or silly stuff came, they were like, yo, I know you ain't rocking with it, Kyle. You, you, you'll be hating. I was like, no, some of this stuff is cool. Like, but some of it to me was silly, you know what I mean? But to each his own, man, like, yeah. you know. So, so being, you were originally born in Washington, D.C., correct? Yeah, yeah I'm a native of Washington. I've lived here my whole life in different pockets of the DMV, you know, D.C. metro yeah. area or D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. You know, I find it hilarious, like, when I travel somewhere and people ask right. me where I'm from, it's easier to just say Washington, D.C. Right, yeah, Because, you is. know, they don't know Virginia. They don't really know Maryland. No. And you can't really say the DMV because they're like, you know, what is well, that? Well, they know Baltimore, but Baltimore is so far removed, yeah. you know what I mean? But it's like, I can't really... You know, no, no. I think they, the best—they're the, so unique. Yeah, I can't well, I say with Washington it. is the best way to kind of sum it up. You know what I mean? Because most yeah. people, if you're from the DMV or like East Coast adjacent, you might have know that term. But most people are like, what the hell is the DMV? Yeah. And then even the Virginia part is really just, uh, you know, Northern Virginia, definitely Southern Virginia, Richmond, down in Virginia. It's a whole different ball game. Yeah. The same way that Baltimore is not when you say Maryland. Baltimore should almost be its own like area because yeah. it's not like what the main central Montgomery Prince of Georgia's County. You know? What you think, Maryland? Yes, is. yes. So, so growing up in this area, yes, and hip hop being so heavy, like in New York, you know, being like the birthplace. Right. How did? How did that like? How did you grow that with like, or find like your scene here, knowing that like so many people are you know like damn I, if I want to be a part of this industry, New sort York of I guess is. like the first thing of it yeah I gotta be in New York like how did you make a name for yourself how did you start here um well it's funny the reason I even got into making music was because going going back again and saying I was a big fan of Tropical Quest and when I was I went to Howard University that's where I teach and it's my alma mater and all that stuff and here in Washington DC is a historically black college 
very prominent. Um, probably the biggest, most well-known alumni we have now is, is Chadwick Boseman, the Black mm -hmm. Panther. Uh, you know, so. Uh, but we have tons of people. Tony Morrison, uh, uh, Debbie, uh, what's his name? Uh, Debbie Allen, um, Felicia Rashad, from, who was uh, Bill Cosby's wife for, you know, on the, on the Cosby show. Tons of people. Who have been, you know, Marlon Wayans went, Puff Daddy. Anyway, so when I got to Howard, and at that time, Tribe Called Quest, my favorite group, was disbanding. And I was like, oh, man, like, I really, I like that music, but... Obviously, with them disbanding, there's no more of that sound going to be about. Like, I want to yeah. make music like that. So, and it, it happened to come at a time where when I was at Howard, at the same time, two things were the South was really on the rise. Like, obviously, I was a big fan of Outkast, but I wasn't so much of a big fan. Like, I respected it, but of, of like Cash Money and mm -hmm. No Limit. Like, that stuff was hilarious to me a lot of times because I was like, this stuff is just not my bag, you know? But my, the people making the stuff I like, they weren't really doing it. So that's kind of what started me wanting to produce. I was like, all right, there is no Tribe Called, Tribe Called Quest anymore. Let me just produce stuff that's in that vein, like jazzy kind of like hip hop. So I just, you know, I started um, doing stuff with, with homies who went to Howard and like friends from the area. And that kind of metamorphed over uh, a bunch of summers and stuff and grew into um, the group that I was probably best known for prior to Lincoln with Mega Ram, which is called Panacea. And we got signed to Rockets Records, which was a huge label when I was in college, like, because they had Most Def and Talib Kweli, Black Star, Pharrell Munch. So, like, to be signed to them was, like, amazing. And it was, like, the stuff I was doing was kind of like Tribe Called Quest, but it also was very heavily influenced by a lot of the stuff I was, I was doing, um, like, gaming and stuff. So... Even on my MySpace page for for Panacea, I think our one-liner thing, because you know, if you go to a MySpace page, it would have like a little blurb in the top. Yeah. And I would always say, when a tribe called Quest meets Final Fantasy, like the game, that's us. That's Panacea, because it's very fantastic, but it's very still rooted in like jazz and soul. Um, we were just, I don't know, it was just interesting, and I guess it kind of works. So, but yeah, that's that's how I came to get into music more uh it was definitely during college and it really was only because the groups i like were kind of fading away mm -hmm. and even though i was really into east coast hip-hop and stuff and stuff that was more adjacent to that i was really kind of like bummed over losing tribe called quest so i was like well let me pick the mantle up and try <laughs> um so yeah that's that's literally how it started for me so it tribe never disbanded you i don't think i don't know if i would have ever even ever made music i probably would have still done something with sound mm -hmm. but i don't know if i would have been so um adamant in pursuing a career in music so. so with with you being like the hip-hop head how did you kind of decide like you wanted to recreate that sound versus like just rapping like oh god well i tried to rap and then <laughs> i did i it was and one of the initial, um, I guess, variations of the group, of uh, my group, Panacea, I was rapping. I was doing, the, I was pulling double duty. I was rapping and I was making the beats. And so one of my homies was like, dude, you sound like Will Smith. <laughs> and this was like, no, and hey, no shots at all, because Will Smith is a legend. Yeah. But like, I wasn't trying to sound like the Fresh Prince, because I didn't curse or anything. Like, and I was doing a lot of big words. I was very, um, I would pronounce a lot of my words. I had a lot of clear diction and enunciation. And he was like, yo, it's like Fresh Prince. It's like Will Smith. And I was like, no, I want to be more like Black Thought or Common. <laughs> and it just wasn't happening. So I was like, you know what? Maybe I just don't rap. But 
I was always more into the background stuff anyway, so the, t the technical production aspect. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where it, it fell. And I'm glad because when I work with people who can rap, I just, that's not, not to say I couldn't, because I feel like I could, but yeah. it's not my heart. My heart wasn't in it. And when I, I met people who really could rap, I was like, yeah. Like the way they are with the rapping is the way I am with the beats. Like I'm very into that stuff. And gotcha. you need, you know, takes a takes a village, you know. So I don't want to be like, I can do it all. I can engineer it. I can whatever. Like I like having people who are special, have specialties and specialize in certain things. So I gotcha. Yeah. So when you, when you were, you know, coming up in hip hop and everything like that, what was it like for you discovering like the association of hip hop and like video games? Because like when you think about it, a lot of people probably don't think those two things would like mesh right. very well. Um, but in actuality, it's like. Video games are a really big thing within like the black community. Oh yeah, because you know, like when you're younger, you can't afford a computer, so your parents get you a console, and you right. have that console for years. Right. And you're just like, can I get this new game? Can I get? this I new never game? even thought about it like that. That's a that's a good point. The fact that uh, why do a lot of like young black kids not are not so much into gaming by PC is probably because a lot of us didn't have PCs in our house. You're right about that. Like it was definitely cheaper to get an entertainment like a Genesis or a yeah. Super Nintendo. Uh, that's a really good point. I never thought about that. But um, I guess growing up, I don't know. Like, I never really thought about it like that. Like, as far as, like, where's this bridge, this connection? I definitely knew, like, most of my friends in my neighborhood, like, when we would be even playing Madden or NBA Live, we would be listening to hip-hop. So it was, like, the music wasn't necessarily in the game until it was, like, games like Grand Theft Auto. And they started hiring hip-hop people to do the, the soundtracks for, like, NBA uh, not jam, but uh, the 2K series and stuff like that. Um, but hip hop was always around my video game, and like I very, like clearly remember playing like games like Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy, and listening to Mob Deep or like MOP or like uh, D'Angelo or Jay Z or like you know like that stuff. So I can a lot of times tell you what year. Like if you ask me like what were you playing in summer of '95, I'll say oh. I was playing Chrono Trigger and Shining Force, but I'm listening to Mob Deep's The Infamous, or I'm listening to uh, Jay-Z, Reasonable Doubt, or, you know what I mean? Like, Black yeah. Eyed Peas, Behind the Front, or something like that. Like, it's funny, like, those two things are, like, instant ways for me to, like, kind of fill in the blanks of what I was doing. Um, and then, it wasn't until I met Mega Ran and, and kind of got into this world of nerdcore that I saw, like, there, oh, shit, there is, um, can I curse? Yeah. Okay, all right, my bad. By all means, I okay. love it. Go ahead, do um, it. <laughs> I found that, like, yo, like, there's there's an intersectionality there that I didn't even, like, think about. Like, when I would hear people sample, like, Del the Funky Homo Sapien on his album, uh, Both Sides of the Brain, sampled, I think it was, uh, what was that game Capcom made with the Night Stalkers, Dark Stalkers. <laughs> and I was like, yo, I never thought about that. Like Or, like, hearing uh, the Coco Brothers sent and make the song Super Coco Brothers, uh, Super Brooklyn. And they sampled uh, the Mario, dun, 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 like, uh, or Eminem rapping over Soul Calibur. Like, there was, like, a, a record at the time when I was in college, and I was like, yo, I never, that's so dope. And as opposed to just sampling a jazz record or soul record, they just sampled a video game. So that kind of showed me that, yo, it doesn't make a difference, like, what you're sampling. If it's dope, it's dope. So when I started working with Mega Ran and we did the Forever Famicom album, 
it really wasn't a big deal to me, like a super taboo, because I'd heard in the prior people sampling video games, it just so happened that the focal point of the stuff we were doing was that it was going to be all video game samples, but turned into hip hop songs um, and done in a way like if, if Premier Jay Dello was producing it, how would they maybe approach it? Yeah. Um, as opposed to like, even the drums need to sound like bleep loops and shit. I didn't want to do that. I didn't, you yeah. know. And that's a big thing that me and the guy, uh, my friend Henry, who does, who's usually my co-host, right. we hate that at like, uh, like after parties for events because it's like they have a DJ and it's like they kind of want to have like some type of hip hop feel, right? But it's always like the eight bit kind nah, of, it's man, like, of like chip tune stuff. Yeah, yeah and it's yeah. like we've kind of like been like I've been at least me I've been on the search of like where is like the video game hip hop but just like not the chip tune right you no know, forced where it's like oh I like because they'll get like a DJ and there's like like oh who am I performing for and it's like right. gamers and they're just like okay some find something with chip tune something upbeat it's it's an audience for everything I mean there's definitely people who want to hear that stuff who want to hear music made off a of, uh, modded uh, Game Boy and you know that chip tune it's like it's a huge scene I mean especially here at MacFest but. Yeah, like, I don't make that stuff. Like, the stuff I make is is always going to be hip-hop. It's always going to have, like, heavy drums, uh, you know, or, like, deep rhythms and stuff. And then I just so happened, I I got tired of sampling Bob James or Earth, Wind & Fire or whoever. I wanted, or James Brown, let me sample the soundtrack from Chrono Trigger or sample the soundtrack from Earthbound because there's, like, rich melodies there, too. Um, And let me just, you know, I I sample it. I marry it to my hip-hop-style drums add some more stuff like some more flourishes and like layers and stuff and see how it turns out and that's basically how again the album that i did with mega ran came about and a lot of stuff i do now is is in that vein like it's always hip-hop rooted but the sample material the source material is the only thing that changes and it just so happens that um i might be doing a lot of stuff with hip with video games but it could change like i could be sampling some progressive rock i could be sampling some jazz It, it just really changes like a mood for me you know what i mean so so with nerdcore discovering nerdcore (laughs) would you say that it's more hip-hop based or is it just kind of like just the base of like it has to be about video games from Uh, your perspective i think it's like a good little blend because even when you say well i for a long time i didn't know i thought nerdcore just meant like when you sample video games and it can be any kind of genre like hip-hop rock whatever but nerdcore is definitely more of like a fusion of hip hop, um, and then I guess whatever your nerd dumb is, you know what I mean, like anime or video games or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I think that for, for obviously the style of, and I the term I took me a long time again to get used to. Is still, I still when people say, "Oh, you're nerdcore," I'm like, that's just a way for you to be able to categorize it in your Apple Music or Spotify. I yeah. get it. But like me, I'm just a, a dude who likes to make music. But I do acknowledge the fact, if anything, if you're gonna associate me with anything, say I'm hip hop rooted because I am. Like literally, hip hop was like what, I, like that's my life, that's my culture, that's like what I associate with. So more than nerdcore, I'm hip hop. You know what I mean? It just so happens that I'm doing music within the vein that can be categorized as nerdcore. So gotcha. Yeah. With with like the growth, I don't know if you're into esports. Do you pay um, attention uh, to it? Yeah, I do. I do. I mean, I kind of have no question, like choice to. I turn on ESPN, and then doing like League of Legends. I'm like, this is amazing. Or there was a Netflix show, uh, talking about that. Like, um, it was like the seven days before, and it was like mm-hmm. different major events. Like, 
the Westchester Dogs, Dogs, the Westminster Dogs Show, whatever that things. And one of the episodes was about the big League of Legends like tournament. And I was like, this is amazing. And I was showing my wife, and she's like, wow. And, and we've been to one of the events we did in 2014 was a guy who won quarter of a million dollars for the Halo Championship in 2013. Then I just saw the guy won a million dollars for uh, Fortnite. Yeah. So I mean, like, esports is huge, and it's gonna probably get even bigger. With with the growth of that, I've started to notice that like, you know, hip hop people or people of like the black culture are starting to uh, branch into it, investing in things like that. Right. Can you see like the hip hop lifestyle essentially being like replicated with like esports in a sense? Because it's like these young kids. <laughs> I didn't who, like, think about that. Like someone stunned. Like yo, I'm killing it. Yeah, like they're 20 years old. They're yeah, sort of getting taken advantage of. But it's like. Like, literally, when I look at esports, it, it, like, mirrors everything that people have, like, said to me or that I've seen, like, with hip-hop and the growth of that. I could, I, I could kind of see that. I mean, like, yeah, because when you think about it, I mean, you know, in the grand scheme of things, like, it's not black-owned. At the yeah. top of it, you know, a lot of people probably could look at it like, yo, this is definitely, like, it's owned by people who are obviously not black. Um, with, But, you know, and, and I guess the difference is that the, most of the, the the people who are big esports, I guess, like the stars, they're are they black? Or I know a lot of them are like Asian or uh, white. Most usually when they're have like some type of stardom stature, it's within the FGC, the okay. fighting game community. Um, like CEO and all that stuff. Yeah. Okay. But there are like a sprinkle of them here and there. Like you have Afromo that's in uh, League of Legends. Okay. Um, yeah. So there are some. But, yeah, there are I guess, some. But I guess when you see like a, a bigger proliferation of that, then you can say. But I mean, if, if the might, the majority of the people in there are people of color, that you could probably look at it and do that comparison. Like, whereas hip hop, obviously, it's a it's a business that's probably white more white owned by the majors. But obviously, the people who are most known for hip hop, save for the Eminems and the whatever, um, Machine Gun Kellys or whoever you want to say. Are, are young kids of color like black kids you know or, or latino kids so if the same thing if you can make that comparison but maybe just say asian kids uh as opposed to you know as when you when you swap out people of color but yeah i, I can see that like young making a lot of money yeah doing something that other kids are really going to envy uh living a lifestyle but i guess the it would stop where like it's not like most esport kids I'll be like, yo, I was in the streets trapping and now I'm doing it professionally. Like, that's the difference. Like, unless you can say, oh, I was doing this, like, playing in my neighborhood, beating people on Tekken for, yeah. like, $20 to pay my rent. And now I'm, like, here on the esports stage. That would be the only comparison. But, yeah, yeah. that I can see. And the weird thing that, because, you know, like, you have that within hip hop where people can, you know, they can create a story, right. whether it be, you know, uh, true or false. They can create the story and, like, tell that through the music versus right. in like esports like like i was saying earlier most kids you know they have that the console not necessarily a pc right. so it's like they could kind of tell that story and like people will say like, oh i've been and I, everyone's struggle is different and this is kind of like long-winded no, kind of no, off cool, topic cool. but it's like everyone's struggle is different so it's like but if you're able to be put in a space kind of say like where you're privileged to have a pc and give these have more opportunities to essentially like play different games right, right. things like that versus like this kid who only has a console and if the community is not there on that console you know how does he grow within that space right. and i feel like with like hip-hop it's kind of the same thing where it's like a lot of these people did this because like 
they were able to put these words together and tell stories and like that was their craft right. versus like it just being like I want to do and I guess you could say like if you want to do it for fun you can right. define ways but it's like how do you stay genuine to that what what has been like with your career of gaming in a sense yeah. what has what game have you played that's been like the had the biggest impact on your life whether it be like uh, you know something that helped you get through you know a struggle or just like you played it and you're like it changed your way of thinking man I mean a game that's probably taught me a lot um, maybe a franchise something like Final Fantasy um, I learned a lot of vocabulary I never knew what like a tincture was and like certain like ether and all that stuff I was like oh oh these are real words that mean different <laughs> like things like so um, uh, but then also like the themes of like love and friendship and death and destruction. I mean, obviously in a lot of those games you're dealing with like magical things and whatever, but it, the thing about, I love about fan, Final Fantasy is like at the core of it, like the stories, like getting past all the magic and all that stuff, it, it really comes down to just a lot of like kind of cool life things. Like when I think about Final Fantasy 2, you had um, Cecil was the main guy. And, He's going through this this transformation from good to ba from bad to good, and he's reborn as a paladin and from a dark night, and trying to save the world. And it's crazy as it gets them going to the moon and all that stuff. I mean, really, it's this big magical story, but I mean, it's just a good versus evil thing. Like if you if you strip it all away, it just comes down to certain themes. And obviously, I guess one of the biggest game changers was witnessing. Aerith getting killed by Sephiroth in Final Fantasy VII because I'd never seen that. Like when I was like, "Oh my God!" They really like killed a character <laughs> in a game, and I was like, "Wow!" That's like, and I mean, thinking about that, like you know, all the stuff that was happening with like, um, like you know, like uh, materia and the life force of the planet, and like the themes, the overall themes of Sephiroth and Genova, and like there's a lot of layers to peel back. So it's not just like cool wizardry or whatever I mean if you peel that stuff back and look at it like take away all the fantastical parts of it which I know it's kind of hard since it's Final Fantasy you know there's a lot of cool like stories in there um, they're probably just rehashes of other more western stories or far eastern stories too but I mean like it it appealed to me and many others obviously because that game is like one of the best selling games of all time um so I guess like that would be like a cool like that franchise is a franchise when I think about video, my experience over the last 20 well shoot 30 35 years gaming because I've been gaming since I was five when I got my NES that was one that really affected me and then actually my, I, someone asked me this yesterday it's like what would be your favorite franchise and I really like um, Fallout's a big one not 76 because I don't really because um, I've never I've never been into the MMO RPG and I was for me Fallout was a very singular playthrough experience and then so Fallout Mass Effect and it's crazy because you know one is like post-apocalyptic here in like the states and one is like the world's like world traveling and, and stuff like that and like the future um, but I don't know. I've, I've always just been gravitated towards those games. Like, I don't know what it is, like, the fantastic element of them or just, like, I really liked a lot of the characters. Um, but, yeah, the, the, those series. And I have a really funny story about Fallout. Like, I have about six years, six or seven years ago, even more than that, maybe when Fallout 3 came out. So I guess that was 2009 or 8 or 9. It's been 10 years, right? I was dating a girl at the time, and I just had this funny story. I told this to five years ago on tour to, to Mega Ran and Samus. I was dating this girl at the time, 
and I was playing Fallout 3, and I was, like, obsessed, like, because you could just play that game forever, you yeah. know what I mean? It's like, it's like Skyrim and all that stuff, and I never played a game where I could just, I was having fun just doing, like, the silliest crap, you know? I was playing it all day, and she was like, my God, you play this game a lot. She, at the time, was in, uh, in nursing school, so she was like, I'm leaving to go to school. I'll see you this evening, like, take a shower at some point, like, eat some food. And I realized when she left that morning, I was like, yes, like, she's gone. Like, I can just, like, hunker down. She won't be back until, like, in the evening. So, of course, when she calls, she texts me, like, yo, I'm on my way home, like, like uh, I want to go out or whatever, so I hope you showered and stuff. And I, I realized the only time I even stopped that day was to use the bathroom. I didn't eat. Stomach's growling, but I'm like, yo, I got to beat this super mutant. I don't know. Like, I got to raid this base and beat these raiders. And I just kept playing and playing. So what I did was I, I ran to the change clothes and, like, washed up real quick. And then I, when she came in, I act like I was sitting back down to play. I was like, Oh man, I had a good productive day Because at this time I had left my other job I was basically home all day I was like, yeah, I made a few beats Like ran some errands I didn't do a damn thing But play Fallout 3 the whole day And I didn't really even do much in the like main story I was doing, like like I said, like silly stuff you know? Just running around But she was like I don't know I don't know if she called my bluff out later but She was like, you really didn't do any of that stuff Like, She was like, first of all, you didn't shower Because, you know, women just are good at that stuff but, and I tried to change clothes and, and, and put on a hat like I had done. Yeah, it was crazy. And it just made me think, like, yo, I need to chill. Like, I'm really, like, doing the most but accomplishing the least, like, here. So, anyway, sorry. That so, was just a side tangent. So. <laughs> no, nah, that's a good story. So, sorry about that. Edit that out. <laughs> so, with uh, with stories like that and, like, having a family, how is it, is it important for you to, like, have your wife or either of your two daughters like play video games or i'm getting into that point now like uh my oldest daughter she just turned five new year's eve is her birthday and she's been i've been slowly even telling my wife like i really want to get her into gaming i just think it'll be cool so i mean she plays games on like my she has she played my ipad for a while until my my uh mother just got her uh one of the amazon tablets that's like more kid friendly which is great because i'm like yo cool i can take my ipad back (laughs) Maybe get Stadia when if that becomes available and it gets decent. Cause I heard some mixed things about it. But anyway, um, but she's re- she saw me. The game I wanted to introduce her to was like either gonna be Mario or Sonic. Okay. So I showed her Sonic because I it was free like a couple months ago on P- the you know PS PlayStation Plus <laughs> Sonic or whatever like the compilation of all the games where you can play like the original game is like Knuckles or Tails and all that stuff. So I showed her, and it's simple. I was like, yo, you know, you jump, you can spin. But uh, she she really kind of took a liking to it, and especially when she got good at making Sonic go fast. She was like, whoa! Just, <laughs> until she ran into a spike, and then she was like, she lost all the rings, and she got sad. But, um, I, and I've had friends were like, yo, you should have her play Celeste or something like, you know, Journey is a good one. Um, so, yeah, I really, I want to kind of like show her the world I do. I want to bring her to a MAGFest or a con at some point. Um, she came to BlurCon with me last year. She was three or four. She kind of got into it. I think it would be like a really cool like bonding experience. I even thought like, yo, it would be cool to cosplay as like Lone Wolf and Cub. Like have her dress up. I know he was his son, but having my daughter with me, I don't know about carrying her in a box like he did the Shogun's Assassin, but something like that, like the samurai and his little daughter. Like, um, But yeah, I think that's important. And my wife is really good. She's not a gamer, but she's really big into that kind of stuff too like you know um 
like exposing our, our, our daughters into the stuff that we like so they understand us a little bit more but at the same time realizing like they might they might be like yo this is not really my thing like yeah. this is yours so but we just want to expose them to it you know gotcha. so. is, is, do you do the same thing with music for them as well yeah uh, we play a lot of like most of the music that we play around well I mean obviously they're right now especially my youngest daughter who's three all she wants to hear is like the Frozen 2 soundtrack or Moana soundtrack but Speaking of like anime or like Disney stuff, like we're real big. Like, okay, if you're gonna like Disney princesses, it's cool to like Elsa and Anna, but there's like Tiana, there's Moana, there's Pocahontas, there's Jasmine, Mulan. Like, we want to show you like there's not all they're not all white and they don't all have blonde hair or, or, or they're not brunettes. Like, they're people of color tell some amazing stories like Moana is like probably one of my favorite movies not just like for my daughter but I like watching it when it comes on too you know to the point my daughter's like yo we should do like Maui and Moana I was like oh I can't be Maui I'm not that big muscular at all like I have some tattoos but not like Maui she's like no you get a bodysuit I'm like oh you she's smart enough to know like daddy ain't that dude you know what I mean like so anyway but yeah I think um yeah but Music and stuff, we, we've tried to, like, play stuff for, like, I played, like, some Chop Club class and Bill Withers and Earth, Wind & Fire, and they're into it. But, you know, I, at the same time, I realized, like, they're going to be into the stuff they're into. Yeah. So, but when we listen to music, a lot of times it'll be, like, jazz or it'll be, like, hip-hop, like, the stuff I really like. And if, if they kind of pick up on that, cool. Um, but, you know, I don't want to force it on them. But I yeah. would, it'd be awesome if she was like, yo... Tribe Called Quest is like performing or De La Soul's performing Daddy I know you like them let's go to a show I'll be like yes <laughs> but more than likely it's gonna be like let's go see Frozen on Ice like I'm like alright and then you just have to accept you that you just have to like, accept it you know, know what I mean? cool I'm here um, so in the in the same vein of you showing them you know Prince, uh, Disney princesses uh, uh, you know of color do you do the same thing for video games like do you try to find games for her to play outside of like you know Mario and Sonic that are kind of like these iconic characters right you kind of branch in and be like, hey, you know, this game has a character. Of color yeah, I guess play, well, you know? I'm trying to think, like, what would be a good game to even start a kid off with that would have, like, a good... I would love to find a female black protagonist, like, to, you know. So, I, I mean, the game that really comes to mind uh, was Uncharted, because I know, like, the DLC had, like, uh, the black British girl and then the girl who was, like, um, she looked Indian or Latino um, as the leads but I mean like I can't really show her Uncharted because I know there's like a lot of like violence and yeah. stuff in it I don't know do you have any recommendations people say check Celeste and I, know Celeste, I don't know uh, I played the game I can't remember what I think she's just a little kind of white girl like I, I, mean, think, I think she's like a, I haven't played or she's Asian been, or, I'm not 100% sure I've been meaning to play it's on my computer right but I would just say she's Eskimo because she has like oh, a hoodie. Okay. But yes, I'm not. Yes, but yes, I'm not 100 yes, yes. okay, sure. Okay. I haven't touched it yet, and I need to. That's a yeah, um, yeah. Someone, a friend of mine was like, "Yo, your daughter. I know she's young, but this would be a cool show. You know, like to get her as a game, a girl, a young girl into gaming, and also like it was the guy was showing me. He wasn't of color, but I mean, like you know, he has to know like that's important. You yeah. know, I could say, and this is just going off a whim. You could get her into League of Legends. Okay. And I say that because they do have two characters of color now. Okay. And, you know, I know it has, it, it has you know, violence, but it's more of fantasy kind of right. uh, violence. But they have a character. His name is Lucian. Okay. And he's a gunman, you know. And he <laughs> he has, doesn't shoot his gun sideways like Saz in Final Fantasy 13. I don't think he shoots him sideways, but he definitely has two of them. So okay, he dual okay. hands them. 
And uh, but he's a cool dude. Like, he's a cool dude. Uh, he's actually a cool character. Um, I think he's really dope. And they have a unique story where his wife gets kidnapped by like this guy who like captured her in like a lantern or something. And then they recently just like had her break free. And so now you can play as his wife. Oh, nice. And she's, you know, also uh, a character of color. So it's like... Oh, nice. And they have, like, abilities together. But to me, the only thing is, is, like, they made it a really weird story. And I don't think a lot of people know it. And maybe they do. But so the story is his wife gets captured by this guy put in a lantern. Like, he captures her soul. The weird thing to me is, like, okay, Lucian's black. His wife is black. This dude is supposed to be a ghost. And he has, like, a scythe whip. And I'm like, he has to be a slave master. Oh, I didn't, oh, and it yeah. never and it didn't dawn on me until they're like, yeah, his wife broke free of the lantern, and I'm like, wait, this doesn't, something's not right about this, and I'm like, is Thrush a slave master? But like, I asked my friend, and he was like, oh shit, he might be a slave master, and then but, but they never explicitly said, but, that. and that's the thing, I've never read the lore, so but it, and yeah, and I don't think it's explicitly said in the lore, but I'm like. It seems oddly like I, close now, to. I want to do a deep dive and check this out, man. Yeah, and, and that's why I'm kind of like you could get her to play it and like be like, hey, like if it doesn't say it in the lore, right. but just be like, hey, you know. But that's the only thing I could think of off the top of my head. I would definitely like to do more research and find like you know. I know characters. I know there's like characters of color and like Tekken and stuff. There's, well, the, what was the new guy? Leon? Uh, Leroy Smith. Yeah, Le- Smith. Or, yeah, Leroy Smith like or whatever. Yeah, I mean like. But I'm like, I don't know if I want to expose it to all that violence yet, <laughs> just yet. Like, but I mean, yeah, there's some cool characters. Eddie Gordo. Um, then there was a, a woman who does like, uh, what do you call it? That Brazilian uh, style of, uh, what do you call it? Capoeira. Yeah. Who's like the new Eddie oh, Gordo. Yeah. And uh, I think she was more like, in a sh- I think that was Street Fighter. Okay, I can't, okay. I can't think of her name. Off the t- I think it was Laura, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah. If that, I know it's more than it has been, you know. Uh, and, but you know it's funny like you speak of that like about women in video game like Samus like the the rapper Samus is a good role model I think for my girls because here Samus is she's just got her PhD she's really smart um, you know I, I she's actually uh, as a friend like sent me a lot of merch like stuff that I can give my daughters to wear and I'm like yeah I'm really proud that they would wear her stuff because she's a good role model like you know um, and she's not the tradition you know like that's the other thing like they always try to whitewash like i know there's a lot of blowback when tiana popped up in the last record ralph because they they're like they lightened her skin they made her hair like more processed like they made her look like beyonce and when people saw that in the, the teaser they like had a fit and then disney rolled back and made her look more like tiana like that we knew from princess and the frog more brown skin i was like yo like you why would you do that like i hate that stuff so he who has Samus as a as a woman of color is definitely no way to get around like you know with her beautiful black skin you know what I mean like I think that's important like for for people to see that and that we we come in all shades and all like colors in the diaspora and it's, yeah. it's all cool it's all beautiful and then beyond that the looks she's just a really smart very well spoken very well educated person and like beyond that's the stuff I want my daughters to like emulate you know what I mean She's a dope artist too, definitely dope. So, and, and you worked with her to produce a game, correct? Or uh, well, we did. She she did. Um, there was a I did an album, which was what I was doing here at Magfest, uh, called Hero Music, where I took the character themes from Chrono Trigger, and I had every person in like the collective that I rolled with the NPC and thirty people of color collective, and I, I assigned them all to like a different person in the game. So when it came to Luca, 
who's like, you know, like the STEM girl. I was like, yo, that's Samus. Like, I mean, except Samus is a, a black woman, but I was like, it works. It's, it's beautiful. It's awesome. And Samus was all about it. Like, she liked Luca too, so it really worked out. So we did a song called Big Brains, which is another, not cool. And she was like, the whole chorus of the songs, like, I love girls with the big brains who fix things and do things. You know what I mean? Like, and I was like, wow, it's cool because you don't really hear a lot of stuff like about a woman. Like, it's always like, yo, look at my, you know what, yeah. like more body stuff and not like, oh, that's a part of the body that rarely gets talked about. <laughs> I mean, by men and women, but yeah. she made it a great song. So here we are. So I would love to do more stuff with Samus and we've talked about it, but even if I don't, I'm always going to be a fan and we always have that song and, you know, yeah, it's going to work out. What, what was the process like creating um, the soundtrack or like the, the audio tracks for that uh, game? Like, how was it different than like creating music for, you know, just, you know, to make a CD and put out? Like, um, yes, because it was, um, well, it's always like, I, I knew I was going to be opening Pandora's box because I'm sampling from the, the source material of Chrono Trigger, which is already like by itself such a revered and well-respected like uh you know soundtrack so i was like I, whatever i do i'm gonna put my touch in it my, my i call it the neo sonic touch i'm gonna take what that is and make it something a little different but i obviously, obviously still pay homage so yeah i mean that was the biggest thing is like making sure i don't f this up you know what i mean yeah. but at the same time like not being scared to just push stuff in different ways because i'm not gonna lie i'm not the first person to even like as a hip-hop person touch the chrono trigger soundtrack but I was like, what am I gonna do that makes it sound different? So obviously working with more vocalists is one thing because I never heard people really rapping over it. Um, but then also even my approach as far as the way I produced it, it was like making it sound like adding synths and different things, uh, layers and text and uh, textures to it to make it sound like more, like I remixed it, but also put my touch on it, you know? But gotcha. I, so yeah, the, the feedback was been pretty good, man. People were like, I haven't had anyone like, yo, this sucks. Like, I've been, you know, people who are like fans of mine were like, yo, this is awesome. And then obviously I had people who are fans of the original soundtrack. And that's been mixed. I had a couple of people like, oh, I hate when dudes do this. Why don't they just leave it alone? But then I've had people were like, yo, this is awesome. Yeah. So, you know, it's a mixed bag. You can't please everyone, man. Yeah. So, yeah. so you, you collaborate with uh, Mega Ran. What was, what was like your journey to meeting him, like the first time meeting him? Like, what was that like? Um, the first time I met Mega Ram was uh, 2008. We had just been exchanging, or 2000, maybe seven, really, uh, exchanging information uh, or messages on MySpace. At the time I was working at XM Radio, he sent me out, and I was hosting a hip hop show called Subsonic that played a lot of underground or progressive hip hop. So the stuff that he was doing, which was definitely more traditional, um, conceptual, conscious hip hop. He sent me, his record label sent me two CDs. They sent me his like straight ahead hip hop record, which is called The Call. And then he, luckily, and when I talked to him, you know, later he was like, I was kind of hesitant on sending you the other thing because it was very hit or miss. And it was the album called Mega Ran. So the first thing I noticed is that when I saw the second, the Mega Ran CD, was like, it was the Mega Man character with brown skin. So I was like, oh, this is either gonna be, this is most likely gonna be bad. Like this is gonna turn into, Something I was like, something I'll play, laugh at, and probably never play again. And no, uh, I remember I listened to it on my way home from work. And I, I lived at that time maybe 10 minutes away from work. I got to, I pulled up in front of my condo at the time, 
stop. I didn't even leave my truck. I just listened to the whole rest of the album in my car. Like, I was like, this is, like, fucking cool, man. Like, so I remember hitting them on, like, MySpace. Like, maybe the next day it was like, dude, yo, I just listened to your mega. Like, more than your the main album you sent, the other album is the one I'm really rocking with because I never heard anything like yeah. that. And then I told him about my, expressed my desires about potentially producing something that sounded like that. Like, with sampling a bunch of other video games that I really, I kind of always like, yo, if I made a beat, I would love to sample this part from Earthbound, or I'd love to sample this part from Secret of Mana. I was like, yo, I was going to do it instrumentally, but, like, would you be interested in if I sent you some beats based on these games, rapping to them? And he did, and Forever Famicom came out of it. And, you know, here we are 10 years later, and literally tonight we'll be doing, the last show I'm doing here at MAGFest is a uh, 10-year anniversary performance of the whole album. Well, not the whole album, but definitely, like, I would say 60% of the album. All yeah. right. Yeah. So you're going to be performing a you performed yesterday, correct? Thursday night. Thursday? Yes. And that was your first time performing solo by yourself. Well, yeah, and it's funny because... But it really wasn't because it was like a curated set where I brought on different people. Okay. So Mega Ran was here. Uh, he, I mean, he is here. I had Samus. I had some of my other friends who were on the album who were also in this NPC collective, like, perform, like, uh, my homie created Mind Frame, my uh, Kadesh Flow, IQ... Uh, MC oh my like it was real and then I had really amazing like um, instrumentalists play like the guys I just mentioned a lot of them also play instruments so I had like basically a brass section and I had a live keyboard player uh, a good friend of mine named uh, Rob uh, Kovacs aka 88 bit and it was cool like getting to basically curate a set so like I would bring people up I would talk I would play the song I kind of had some influence as far as like when we were rehearsing, like, I like that part, do you know, you're doing that live. All right, take that part out. But for the most part, I'm like, I let the the, the, the guys do what they want to do, you know what I'm saying? As long as it obviously doesn't like crowd up and while the people rapping, you know, like put some air in there, like take a pause. But they killed it, man. I, so when people like, y'all enjoyed your set, I'm like, yo, well, that's cool because all I did was basically Quincy Jones it, like, I brought in everyone else and kind of orchestrated it, but the actual, they did the work, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, I don't know. I, I just, I'm really, when it comes to that kind of stuff, like, team, you got to be a team, man. You can't do it all yourself. Like, so you essentially curated your own, like, kind of like Pharrell's festival, like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, that's a good way of know, saying it. Pharrell and Friends, Something in the Water, right. you know, K. Murdoch and Friends. Right. MacFest. Right, kinda. right, right. Um, you mentioning Quincy Jones, you've worked with him before. Yeah, while working yeah. At XM. I, I what was spent, that like? Oh man, that was life changing because prior to meeting him, I remember my last couple years in college, I really became like obsessed with Quincy Jones. Like reading his book. I remember one Christmas, I asked like my mom, I was like, "Give me the whole Quincy Jones discography." So she was like, "That's a lot of albums. I'm just get you this <laughs> four CD box set, which was like each one was like." A different his pop stuff his jazz stuff his soundtrack stuff whatever so um yeah so i went to the kennedy center um honors to see him speak one time i remember and then i found out even later my mom tried to get me on oprah winfrey show she was like my son is a big fan of quincy jones and she had sent in a video i didn't even know this like a friend of mine who was like uh he was a film major and a neighbor she like got him to come over to the house set up the video and then recorded her I mean, recorded him talking. 
and, uh, uh, about like my son's like me my you know infatuation with Quincy Jones and like Oprah's management uh, her producer was like yo like we might bring him on the show and surprise him by bringing Quincy Jones out but it never materialized <laughs> but it worked out because uh, when I was working at XM Radio I wound up getting a uh, asked to pr- help produce a show that he was going to like do host mm-hmm. so they sent me out to Bel Air and I stayed in Bel Air for like a couple days and I would go to his house for like the whole day and record him wow. so over the course of three years we did two specials and one of them won would be like the one a big award in radio which is called a Mercury Award and um, for like the show's production so I was I was credited as the engineer and executive producer so wow that's a big credit too yeah yeah and I got name. to I mean I have still have his email address and people are like yo you should hit him up I'm like dude what the what, what am I gonna say to Quincy Jones <laughs> like what's up you know what I mean like but I, the guy I was going out there with he was like yo Quincy would appreciate knowing what you're doing like you're doing music so he would send out when I would release music he's like I just sent this to Q and you know Q was like yo this is dope and I was like get out of here and he would show me the receipts like the red receipts and like the email replies I was like that's crazy and I guess that was cooler than me being like yo Q check this out you yeah know what I mean? like, having someone kind of like vouch for you and then having I didn't, I didn't even want to go into that like about because I was there to do a job and it yeah. wasn't to promote myself yeah it was like just being there I should have just been, and I was very fortunate and happy enough to just be there. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was it was awesome, dude. So, so can you tell me a little bit more about um, um, N- NPCC? Like what what's nerdy so people the, of color? So the nerdy people of color collective is something that I was like a brainchild of Mega Ran, and it's basically like a hub for people who are just most of us in the in the collective who are in, that you see out are usually are musicians, and in that but we're trying to. Like incorporate more people who are uh, also like different like designers, people who do maybe do STEM or writers, like people who are just artisans in different aspects of like a different facet of art. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just so happens that most of us right now we're all musicians, so it help, that works out when it's time to like go play a show, and we can all come out and do stuff. Um, but yeah, it's a, basically a place where. You know, from being seeing, it's not a lot of us always out here. Yeah. I mean, seeing more, which is great. And depending on what city, when you go to Atlanta, obviously at MomoCon and stuff, you see a lot more of us or BlurCon here in DC. But I just want to see more of us, and I think part of that is no, knowing, like, having a place like the NPC. Not to say you should. We're revered as like uh, the Avengers of like, uh, like. I don't know, like diversity and like yeah. a nerdy space, but at the same time, just seeing people ugly, like, oh, these dudes are dope. Yeah. Um, knowing, knowing, essentially making it so people know, like, hey, other people enjoy the same thing. So right, like, right. We're here. Let's represent. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So, and, and, and basically, if there's going to be a big mag fest or something, like, we're going to be here and we're going to be the ones, like, that represent, you know, and, mm-hmm. and show you, like, you might come out and find yourself, like, yo, man, if only someone was into podcasting who maybe looked like me i would you know i i could i could ask them questions or feel more comfortable as opposed to asking someone who doesn't look like them and feeling a little bit removed yeah so my biggest thing is always saying like when you look at obama um who we definitely miss now not having an office right because even if you didn't agree with his politics he was just a good dude yeah compared to 45 right so 
what I feel like as a person of color, when we saw Barack Obama get inaugurated and become the first black president, it was like, oh, that opened up another door as a possibility for any kid of color, particularly a young black kid, man or woman, like, yo, I can do that now because the precedent has been set. Yeah. And that goes a long way. And I, I find out when I teach now, I teach at a, um, a Howard University is a historically black college. So like most of the, the students are majority black and it's majority black women. And like in, in my field of audio and media, it's not a lot of them, particularly in the audio field of podcasting and stuff. So I want to do my best to like train them and get them in a space where they, they can do what I'm doing, which is go out in the field, work and come back. Hopefully one of them will feel inspired. And you don't have to come back and teach. You maybe come back and do a workshop or something just to show people like it's feasible, it's possible. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can do that. You can be represented. Um, there is representation. And I think a lot of it is just seeing people who look like you doing it. That kind of makes it like, okay, that's something more. It's, a, it's attainable. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you about your, uh, your in-home studio. Huh. This is more of like the little nerdy tech side that, you know, for myself. It, it's, it's definitely different than it was five or six years ago. But yeah. How do, you, how do you control yourself like from overloading yourself like with, like, with equipment? Because like I saw a picture that you posted on Twitter. It was very simplified. Oh, yeah. It was so how do you like, like desk light, right? Yeah. Like how do you hold yourself from like, oh, well, this new, you know, this new mixer came out oh, or this new thing came out. How do you like control yourself from it, buying Don't get it, it twisted, man. I, and I use Evernote and I keep a wish. Literally, I have a uh, one of my folders or, or notebooks is, called, is my wish list. And I just tag stuff that I want. And I have a lot of stuff being tagged for, <laughs> and I'm like, but usually I wait till like Cyber Monday to get like the plugins I need. And a lot of times it's like, okay, I can wait and get this. Or one of the things I'm going to try to do now to try to get more stuff is like do more content creation so that people see me out and like, oh, that's Kmer. Like maybe I can send him the beat machine he wants or this plugin to test out because I do a lot of stuff that gets professionally put out, whether it be songs that get released or whether it be teaching in like academic environments where like I can use that stuff so it's not like yo give me free stuff it's like gonna be free stuff that's gonna be taught yeah. to people but um, I, a lot of it's just well my wife is really good at restraining me like reminding me like we have goals and we want to take trips and buy a new house and stuff so please as much as you think you need this $300 dynamic compressor plug in you have enough of them already that have, are great <laughs> and maybe you'll get that one from UAD or Isotope for free down the road, or maybe make that a goal. So she's right. Like a lot of it's just self-control and just uh, sharing a, a joint account. You know what <laughs> I mean? So, but I do have a wish list, and I mark stuff all the time. Gotcha. Um, you know, people give me, and I'm not one of those people like, yo, I this is what I use. I don't want to. I don't use anything else. Some people are like that. I'm like, no, yeah. I need to know especially since I'm teaching like what's happening mm-hmm. so I can tell the students like, yo, this is the new, the new thing. And then I, I make it better. I better myself by knowing how to use it so that I can teach them yeah. or at least be able to like show them or, yeah. or talk to them about it. So Cause you yeah. don't want a student to come in class and be like, no. Hey, I'm using like, um, you know, this digital audio nah. software and like, what do I do? And you're just like, Nah, man, I only use Pro Tools. Yeah, students will do that all the the time. They'll come to me with stuff, and I'm like, yo, I don't use that, but show me how you use it, and I'll show you how I use mine, and then maybe we can glean and have some trade secrets. But I'm very adamant about when I teach students like engineering or anything with like a DAW, Digital Audio Workstation, it's Pro Tools, because 
that I know from being in the industry and professionally working, whether it's been an XM, Vox, NPR, these Pro Tools is like the industry standard. Like a lot of people use Audition too, because mm -hmm. um, the Adobe Suite is just very easy to download and you have everything you need from yeah. any kind of media. But usually in most recording studios, they're not loading up Audition. It's gonna be Pro Tools. Some people use Logic, some people use Cubase, but Pro Tools is generally what you're gonna find. So gotcha. I'm gonna show you Pro Tools, but I'm not so like blockheaded or obstinate to not learn or not know that people use Logic and Ableton and all the GarageBand and all these other yeah. places too. You know, it's important. Gotcha. Yeah. So your your uh, studio is based off an anime, like the name of what you call your studio. Oh yeah, studio it's called Champloo. Yeah. How how did you like? What made you come up with that name or name your studio that? And then like what influence? I was a that big show. fan of Sam, Samurai Champloo back in 2004 when I first, I can't believe it's like, well now 16 years since it came out. It's crazy. <laughs> um, and I, I, when I, I, one day I looked up, I was like, what the hell does Champloo mean? So when I looked it up, it was like cultural mixing, usually between the West and the East. And I was like, oh, that's perfect. Cause that's basically what the show is. It's like Eastern, it's based in Japan. It has all this historical context, but all this Western influence from the episode where they're playing baseball, the episode, obviously hip hop is all throughout. Mm -hmm. So I was like, yo, kind of like what I do in, in my st home studio, which is m morphed a bunch of times, I mix and it's like, well, it's more literal, like mixing music and, and mm -hmm. audio. But it, it's also that cultural mixing because a lot of stuff that I'm using or influenced by is definitely I might be working with artists who are Western based, but might be using um, or influenced by like some anime, sampling anime in there too, which is obviously a lot of the good stuff for the most part has always been Eastern based. So it's like that cultural mixing that comes into it. So it's a little bit more literal to, to deal with mixing, the like audio mixing, but um, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a self-proclaimed blur black nerd. So I think it kind of works. So yeah, Studio Champloo. I was like, plus it always, people always like were calling their stuff their studio's cool names. So I was like, what will mine be? And it has to be something that kind of like hits on my what, interest. Yeah. yeah. Were, were you like really shocked or surprised when you heard hip hop like in anime or was it kind of like, you knew it was a thing before and like? Uh, yeah, I mean, not not really. I mean, after this deep dive of getting into Nerdcore, I knew there was tons of fandoms. Um, like I said, video gaming is just mine, but uh, even within some of the guys I work with, like Kadesh Flow is a real big, he's a, he's an otaku. So he's always put me on where, um, to like what the new anime is like, you know, um, Hunter Hunter and, um, he's in the one piece and, uh, really like obscure stuff too. Um, so I'm not surprised now by the stuff I hear in Nerdcore. Like, uh, I still don't always like the term, but I'm like, I get it. Like, you know, it's just, it's just a way for a classification. You know? gotcha. So, and people are very protective of it too. Like, you know, this is my niche. This is my nerdcore. That's like Gollum and Lord of the Rings, <laughs> like precious. You know what I mean? So you have to just be careful. And if that's how you have to classify me, hey, more power to you. So, my final question before I let you go. Okay. We're in a new decade. What is what do you, what does this decade look like for you? Like, you know, envisioning it and. What do you have planned in the future? What are you working on? I'm trying to do new music, man. Like I said, 2020, I said this at the concert was like, um, I'm going back to what really got me into like being an audio creative. I like to create music. Um, I'm glad that I'd, I've been able to learn all these other different like trades within the wheelhouse of, of sound, creative sound and audio, creative audio. 
But at the heart of it, when I think back about what I really was into 22 years ago, really, when I started doing music, um, it was music, making beats. Um, I mean, now I try, to, I try to make it, fluff it up and say music composition, but I, I'm a beat maker. But I just, I've learned to become a better song producer uh, through the process. And, I've always, and I think that just comes from, I've always liked to put in sound bites and, 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 and know how to have things tell a story as opposed to just like, yo, this is a dope beat, just rap over it and not ha know how to make this song build and, and ebb and flow and add some dynamic range to it, you know? So, but yeah, like, uh, I plan on releasing a lot of music uh, working on another hero music. I, d I talked about it at the end of the, the um, concert Thursday night, but the next one, all these, the hero music series is based on me and the, my favorite RPG. So the first one was Final Fantasy VI, so three here in the States. Did that, did Chrono Trigger Volume 2, so Volume 3 is, is Mass Effect. And people are like, well, hold on, Mass Effect <laughs> didn't really have character themes. I was like, well, that's the point. This one is a challenge because I'm creating the themes based on the characters. So that's I'm giving, like, Garros a theme. We're giving Thane a, a theme. I'm giving all uh, Kasumi, all my favorite characters. I mean, so I'm, like, really excited about that. Like, And I'm really excited just to see what, how people are going to gravitate because it's not like I'm taking source material. I'm, like, literally making it up. But it'll be very a lot more electronic, I'll tell you that. Okay. Because, you know, Mass Effect is very spacey and electronic, but it definitely will still have like a a tinge of like that classic sound too. I mean it's hip hop it'll be hip hop at the core of it, so it's gonna have to, you know. Do you plan on playing uh, Cyberpunk at all? Oh yeah, Cyberpunk was twenty seventy seven. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Now I really wanna play The Witcher after watching the Netflix series, but I don't have that kind of time, man. I'm gonna have to read a compendium or something, or like a cheat, or watch a YouTube cheat sheet video or something. Do you think like cyberpunk, or maybe if you get a chance to like watch or play The Witcher, you would, you would, you know, could feel inspired to do maybe music based off of that? Maybe we'll see. I don't want to be that dude. Like this dude just takes existing stuff and makes it. But at the same time, it's just more of like a tribute thing. Um, gotcha. Um, we'll see. If if it calls me, if it if it motivates me, I'll do it. You know what I mean? And I. I realize like people are real sensitive about that stuff. Yeah. So I, I like if I'm gonna do it, I gotta be like full. I gotta go. Um, I, I gotta commit fully to it. You know what I'm saying? So gotcha. Yeah. And where can the people find you on social media, or you know, find you at a tour? Like when's your next tour? My next like tour that? is gonna be. Uh, well, I don't know. After Macfest, I'm probably gonna. I teach for a living, and I'm I'm get, currently getting a master's degree, so I don't really know if I'll be moving around a lot until again maybe late spring, early summer. Mm -hmm. um, maybe look for me at BlurCon. I've been talking to. I love BlurCon. I'll be there regardless because it's local, and it's just like a, you know, in keeping with what I was talking about earlier in the uh, discussion today. It's like it's important to support and also just be seen at those places. Um, so BlurCon, try to do something maybe in the summer for a Forever Famicom, like a little tour for the 10th anniversary. But usually if, if Mega Ran calls on me, like if he, you know, I'm there. Uh, that's my dude, man. So, uh, but if they can find me in the meantime, I'm really big again, since I'm not out, out there. Uh, I, I started, I relaunched my website top of the year two, two or three days ago. And I'm real big, um, posting just about the stuff I create on there. So the website is called... Kyle Creates Audio, K-Y-L-E Creates A-U-D dot I-O. Um, and then all my social media, Twitter and IG, is K Creates Audio. Uh, and that's the best way to find me. So, yeah, at K Creates Audio or Kyle Creates Audio, 
again, kylecreatesaud.io. Um, and then on there, anything I post and I, I, that I create, I post on there. So it could be a song I did, a podcast I engineer, a song I mix. Like, it's all there. So, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks for trekking out. Um, you, you're going to be, like, enjoying the con now. Or I will, to some extent. Okay. Uh, I might come back again tomorrow okay. to enjoy it more for that last day. Okay. okay. Um, but, guys, thank you for listening. Uh, make sure you check out Kay's stuff. I'll have it, you know, somewhere in the description. Um, I enjoyed listening to what I heard, you know, doing my research on you. <laughs> I was like, this is actually really, like, chill. And it was weird because I was, like, listening to a while in research. And I'm like, this is really chill, like, kind of study or oh, yeah, getting you, like, in a trance. Yeah, people are like, yo, music. dude, you've been doing lo-fi hip-hop. For, <laughs> I used to hate that when people were like, yo, I can go to sleep to music. I was like, that's, like, so disrespectful. <laughs> But now it's like, yo, no, it's cool. Like, lo-fi is the shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> now you, like, got to embrace it. You like, yeah, I don't know. And, look, and now I'm like, oh, yeah, now I got to, like, put myself out there. And I've been technically doing it for, like, 15 years. It's, like, story of my life, dude. Like, <laughs> but I'm, I'm appreciative, man. I mean, it got me here. So I'm appreciative. That's dope. Um, so, guys, that's the end of the show. He's got to go do some rehearsal. <laughs> and I'm going to hopefully find a way to get into MAGFest uh, <laughs> to play some initial D. So as always, until Good Game Do Us Part, thank you for listening, guys.